Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of the World's Greatest Podcast. That's the way the cookie crumbles. Yeah, baby. We're back as a threesome this week. Stan's been on his, his jolly. He's been warm weather training before the I World have, Cup. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, doing some uh, doping, getting some high altitude <laughs> stuff going on for, for when I need to go on, uh, you know, when I'm running around all the bonfires next week. Mm, very true. That was weird that Klopp sent you an inhaler. That was quite weird. Yeah, no, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I don't, I, I've been told not to talk about it. So, well, yeah, that, you can, you might have signed an NDA, but I haven't started. I love, that's true. I told you, though. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, we're back as a threesome. And yet again, the better the week's been let down by Liverpool, but they've also been let down this week by Chelsea. But we'll start at Anfield. Only one place to start. Jim, we'll start with you. When it rains, it pours for Mr Klopp and Liverpool. <laughs> it does, yeah. I um, I believe, I don't know if this is true, I've ever read this right, that they're the first team. In Premier League history, to lose to the bottom team and the table like back to the back. Yeah, um, losing in consecutive weeks. Yeah, yeah losing breaking records, last week smashing then... them goals, mentality monsters. You couldn't see the Forest one coming, but then you couldn't see this one coming even more. I mean, I, I see him leave his away record, um, and then you see him on Liverpool in the Champions League at home. They seem to change the system with Firmino kind of going behind Nunes and Salah, who's played a bit more central and. Liverpool are really good. I think they won three 0 in midweek against um, Ajax, I believe it was. And then Lick, like I say, Leeds. I haven't won away from home for fucking ever this season. I think they've lost like four straight. Um, they're a team where, if you ask me which manager I think is getting started next, it'd be Jesse March. But really, like, if there's a manager that should be getting talked about getting started, I know he's got a lot of fucking good juju in the bank. But let's face it, like Klopp has like, had no answers to any questions this season. Um, and it's getting it's getting to like a point where you gotta seriously like ask a bit of questions of him because yeah, he's like one of the best coaches in Premier League history at this point, really. I know he's only won one title, that's what I might say mental to say. But he I think he is. But realistically, what has he done this season? Um he's tried to change his system and it's still not worked. They're still incredibly vulnerable in defence and yeah, like what a win for Leeds, but the huge, huge questions for Liverpool now. Yeah, massive questions for Liverpool. And obviously, Stan, you were here last week to gloat about Liverpool taking another big L, but you can gloat this week. So, obviously, we've not heard your opinion on all this, so give us your five pence worth on Liverpool and Mr Klopp. Oh, it's difficult, isn't it? Um, I don't know if... I don't, I, don't, I don't really know what's gone wrong, to be fair. I mean, Klopp's given a different excuse every week, so I'm sure he'll tell us what's gone wrong, but... Um, Physically, they're not there. I mean, they can't cover the ground that they have done in previous years. And mentally, they're definitely not there. I mean, I know I joked at the beginning about mentality monsters, but, you know, the fact is that that name came from somewhere and it's because of, you know, what they've done over the last three, four years in terms of, you know, last-minute goals, comebacks and, you know, winning games that you that they probably probably shouldn't. But on the flip side of that, when I look at the, the 11 that even played at the weekend, you know, forgetting any other game... And I think of the players that were there right at the beginning, or should I say in that Champions League win that kind of set everything off. Alisson, Trent, Robertson, Van Dijk, three, four of the back five are still there. Uh, Fabinho was still there. Uh, Salah played. They've lost Mane, but they've just not, they've, they've not refreshed the squad well enough. They've not rebuilt, rebuilt well enough. And I know we speak about how well that Klopp and Liverpool have spent money, but... Should he have had more money? Yes, but has has he actually rebuilt well enough with the money that he's been given since winning things? And you, you could argue no, really, especially when you look at how any of those players that they've signed fought the way into the team. It's probably only really Luis Diaz who, who, who you could say has, has warranted that. Jota started like a house on fire. Nunes was yeah. 85 million and there's still huge question marks about him. Thiago was free. Navigator's yet to trade. Navigator's not played. <laughs> Simi Cass hasn't, you know, he's had glimpses of maybe getting in at left back, but he's not done it. Yeah, he's good. Uh, cover. Like you say, Kanate. Um, who else he started really well as well before he, he got injured. Yeah. Canate. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so, so they have bought in players, but the players that aren't at the level that those, uh, those other lads were, and, and in general, like I said, the majority of the 11s that they played this season, I mean, a good six, seven, eight of those players were in the Champions League final 11 three years ago. And you just, you can't do it. I'm not sure what he did at Mainz, but obviously he did well enough to get the Dortmund job. And, and obviously we've heard about the seven-year cycle. He built a brilliant team that won the league and, and got to a Champions League final as well. Uh, and then he left. 
So whether he's one of those managers that can build one great team and then go, uh, you know, is yet to be seen. And like Jim's already said, we may see that happen. He might end up going, but um, it's a mixture of things. I've seen Liverpool turning on FSG and I think, yeah, they should have spent more, into, you know, comparatively in terms of what they've actually won. Uh, they should have, even with the money that they've spent, Klopp should have been able to pretty much buy a new player for each position with, you know, that they have won everything. They've won the league, the Champions League, the FA Cup, the League Cup. Uh, he should have been able to pretty much buy a new player for each position, and they haven't. But like I say, Jota, not done enough, started off well. Nunes, a lot of money, not done it. They're banking on Elliot and Carvalho. Uh, Simicast hasn't really challenged Robertson the way they wanted to. Canate is not coming next to Van Dijk. And on top of that, your players like your Van Dijk, your Fabinho, Henderson, even Salah, they're starting to drop off. They're on the wrong side of 30 now. And it all seems to be happening all of a sudden. It's reminiscent of that season in lockdown cook when they lost mm. defenders and just didn't look like they could uh, you know win a run of games at all. I mean they lost was yeah. it six in a row at Anfield that season? They've just lost two yeah. in a row. It was the game that season, wasn't it? You know where they got beat away but conceded seven. Seven two, yeah. yeah. And then that lockdown season and obviously Van Dyke's injury as well. But it's happened again. It looks like it's happening again. It's a nightmare season as as the commentator said so far. I mean how did he fix it? Jim said they've tried different formations. I know they've got injuries, but who hasn't? Haaland's out for City. Yeah. Chelsea got injuries. Varane, oh, yeah. Martial was out. Anthony was out at the weekend for United. Spurs, Arsenal, Saka's out. Kulisevsky's out. All the top teams have injuries. I mean, Newcastle, they lost Sam Maximan and Wilson for a bit. Isaac. And they're still... Isak is still injured and, and, and they're still up there. So and Emil Kraft. It's not an excuse, but yeah. <laughs> It's not an excuse when you were going for the quadruple last season and, and this season. Oh, you, you're saying, oh, well, we got injuries, so that's why we're ninth. It's not. I mean, how do they fix it? I I, I agree with everything you said prior to that. And I think I think the way to fix it is fresh faces. And, and, and I do genuinely believe that... Including the, the man in charge? No, personally, I, I'm I'm personally not a fan of him, but I can't deny that he plays very entertaining. He's got to stay. Got attacking to. football and he's the best thing that's happened to them, them scousers in years. And, and they'll tell you that. And I think if they do pull the trigger and sack him, I'd love them to sack him because it could be another 20-odd years before they win a title again. And that would be fantastic yeah. for me. So if you want to go and sack Klopp, Liverpool, go ahead. But I think the way to fix it is just to get some new faces in that squad, rejuvenate it. If you, even if you look at the midfield alone, obviously it's the most critical part of the football pitch. And you, you're still playing James Milner in games. You're well, still playing... Uh, Thiago That's multiple games I mean, in a week who's got biscuit knees the midfield that started at the weekend was Elliot, Thiago and Fabinho there's no legs in that really there's no wow. physicality Fabinho okay but he's looked a shadow of himself Thiago yes. and Elliot and they're, big, they're good technical players. And but... a big argument with Klopp, though, didn't he, Fabinho? That's why he's... Well, he did, so... yeah, but, I mean, if, if if you forget about that, if you look at what they're doing on the pitch... Oh, yeah, it's not good enough. Previous seasons, he'd had Henderson and Wijnaldum, really physical, dynamic, get unlimited stamina for whatever reason, get themselves around. Even Emre Can for that, he's legs. Well, yeah, but then yeah, you've got yeah. Thiago and Elliot, who are fantastic technical players, but when the going gets tough, they've not got that energy in the midfield and that bite that they've they've needed. I mean, I saw a stat that out of the 20 teams, Liverpool's tackle completion percentage is the lowest out of all 20 teams, which is, which is damning, really, considering mm. how many tackles and how quickly they've won the ball back in previous years. That's their best midfield, though. That's that's what we're in for them. If you ask Liverpool fans to name their yeah. ideal starting eleven, and you put the free midfield, that's their best eleven, like easily. Like yeah. who comes in for them? Like Curtis Jones, like he's just not good enough, is it? Joe Henderson's not what he, what he was, and then you've got Milner. Hey, and Kate, got, just not Oxley Chamberlain. Cha- yeah, Chamberlain and Kate can't be relied on. We're getting to a point where Thiago can't be relied on. I think the problem is that I kind of you kind of touched on it before, Stan. Like every position. They've got loads of players out of form, let's face it, like Robertson Trent. Van Dyke is like playing nowhere near the way he did. I'd say the only player this season who's like can like walk out this season in a bit of glory is Allison, who I think is brilliant every single week. Yeah. Um there's no one behind these players like pushing him. I, for example, like I just take it to City who they've been challenging for the last four or five seasons. If um if it, Kevin De Bruyne's playing like one of their players is playing like he's just not starting next week, he's not playing a game. If Phil Foden's playing like Salah is, he do, we won't play. If Kyle Walker's playing like Trent, we'll just put someone else in. But and it's not like Liverpool don't have the depth because before this season, their bench when they play against City is bigger than ours. They're just not playing well enough. Um, I think the recruitment's not been great. I mean, I just had a little scroll through, especially in centre midfield where I think they're just beatable every single week. And I think 
I think United have had this last few seasons where, yeah, they've had some decent players out front and some good quality in defence and stuff and a nice keeper. But I feel like United have always been beatable in midfield until maybe this season. And I think Liverpool are the same now. I remember when he played Everton, we were watching together. I remember saying before kickoff, I fancy Everton just because you look at the midfield, it's nowhere near as good as quality. But it doesn't matter if you can if you can overrun them and be more physical and run quick faster and run more, you've got half a chance. And I think every midfield in the league has got half a chance against that Liverpool midfield. Not not because it's not got quality, but just because the personnel that it's made up of. Yeah, I mean, he's gone from his four three three to a four four two diamond. He's tried to change that. I know he's uh he's dropped Trent. He's bought Trent back in. I mean, he's probably going to have to drop Go- Joe Gomez. I mean, another stat I saw was that this season Liverpool have, have had eleven individual errors leading to a goal or a big chance, and four of those eleven were Joe Gomez. So <laughs> it's it's a huge portion. I know Kanate's back. Matip's not far away. He needs to come out of the team as soon as yeah. I mean, the fact that I didn't know that, but if Liverpool fans' his choice of a midfield is Fabinho, Elliott and Thiago, I mean, that, that's, that's you know, red flags and, and sirens going off in my head straight away in comparison to the, the you know, the Liverpool midfields of, like I said, with Henderson and Wijnaldum in there. The amount of bite and, and fight and, you know, hard work that you get, which is what Klopp's Liverpool has been epitomised by, that, that midfield trio pretty much allowing the full-backs to get up and that front three to basically... Firmino, Mane, Salah to pretty much just play as three strikers um, is, you know, everything that that team was built on. So that that might be why it's falling down. But yeah, I, I, I don't really know how they fix it. I think they're one of a few teams in the league that, uh, you know, the players, the club and the fans are probably dying for this World Cup break. Uh, they just need it to finish. And then obviously there'll be a few games end of December and then the, the window opens and they'll try and fix it however they can. Although... If it's another Artur signing or Artur, however you pronounce it, then no, exactly. he's not going to help at all, which me and Cook just saw is on the injury list for Liverpool and uh, we forgot he even existed. But there's another signing again that was a clear panic signing and, and, you know, was even if he was fit, I'm not sure he would have done too much. It's probably just a Thiago light in terms of technically really good. But when the going got tough, he'd probably get overrun as well. But yeah, they, 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 Liverpool need the break. Um, I saw somebody saying is Van Dijk has... Some of their players just thinking about the World Cup, but when I think there's only really Van Dijk and Allison in that team that are going to even play in the World Cup. I mean, Nunes as well, but um, there's not actually many players there that would have an eye on the World Cup for me in terms of starting. So I don't think that's an excuse, but yeah, it, it's it's a weird one, but we saw it a couple of years ago where this Liverpool team completely fell apart as soon as he got two or three key injuries. And, you know, they've got a few injuries up front now and, they're falling apart again. And it's not... I'd understand if, OK, they've lost Lu, uh, uh, Luis Diaz and Jota and, and what... They've still got, a, you know, you've already said, pretty much the first choice back five. OK, you might take Gomez out, but two weeks ago against Haaland, they were ranting and raving about how good he was. You've got your first choice midfield. So I'd understand if they were solid, working hard, but just couldn't score. But they look rubbish all across the pitch and that that's a massive issue in terms of, you know, effort. They've signed. They've signed one midfielder. They've signed one central midfielder in the last four seasons, and it was Thiago. And That's he can't play. He can't play twenty games a year. Yeah, I, know. I mean, I don't. Yeah, I don't I, know who's making that decision, but that's just shocking. Um, and I think for like four or five seasons, and in fairness, in fairness to Klopp, who I have slagged off because I think he should get a bit more criticism this season because I've just seen none of it so far. Um, sure. Klopp's been papering over the cracks, and just this year, he just doesn't have the answers, does he? But I think that's what's happened. No. Yeah, that's it. There'll, there'll be, is it three more league games or something? Two league games and a, and a Carabao Cup until the... Uh, Champions League. Or oh, in a Champions League as well. So three or four more games until that that World Cup break. And, I, I, you know, they won't admit it now because, you know, they're, like the, you know, they're fine, they're all right, they'll keep playing. But at Liverpool, inside the club, they'll be dying for that month month break uh, yeah. for the World Cup. Yeah, they've got the poker face on at the minute. But, Jim, we spoke about how shit Leeds were. We need to say how good Leeds were in this game because... They've they've not won in ages. Jesse Marsh said that they they basically said to him in his press conference before this match, "Why why are you so annoyed, Jesse?" He said, "Because I'm on the worst losing run of my career, and I don't lose." He said, "I I I don't lose wherever I go, wherever I go." He said, "We need to change the mentality," and he got in a permanent sports psychologist after they lost last weekend and the first game they played since getting the psychologist. They've won at Anfield, and the guy with probably the best name in Premier oh, League history easily. Uh, honestly, Crescencio Somerville. The best name on the pitch by a mile deserved to score. 
it's oh, got yeah. the winner. Oh yeah, one of one of the Feyenoord Academy products. Him and Luis Sinistera both making that move to Leeds. He went the year before, but took his goal really well. And Jim, where where do Leeds go from here? Because they look down and out. March, you said it before. You thought he'd be the next to go, but big win. Yeah, yeah well, yeah, it's, that's a massive win because everything out of Leeds in the last few few, few weeks has just been by negativity. Really, they've been losing games for. They've been, playing, they've been playing teams around them, they? they kind of dragged themselves into a relegation battle where after the strong start and Daddy beat Chelsea 3-0 early on into the season, I kind of thought, oh, Leeds will be all right here. They've got a bit of quality. But in the last few weeks, you've kind of been questioning yourself and looking at the team thinking, oh, actually, they, these are in a bit of a relegation scrap and the players aren't that great. Um, well, some of them are anyway. I think at the back, they're very susceptible. But yeah, I'm, I'm a massive win, especially, like I said, away from home. Um that's probably one. That's probably is that not the toughest place to go in the league other than the Ayad maybe, and they get a win and you you can't fault it. That's that's massive for Leeds and they should they should build on that. They got two games left um until the break, yeah. Get another win or like another like three or four points then and then they can really like I don't know and some of the um questions that have been asked of them the last few year, few weeks because I don't think they'll have too many players in the World Cup will they um looking no. at that team. So they're they're one of them teams where like a lot of them teams around Leeds's area, like near the relegation zone, it will be who can like come up with the plan for the second half of the season. Everyone's kind of been going towards the World Cup. It's a bit of a strange season in that sense that it's going to reset a little bit. Um, so yeah, Leeds have got every got every chance of staying up, and that was a big win. Yeah, yeah I think yeah, I think um, yeah, they were well worth the win. I know obviously it doesn't mean everything, but they won the game on XG, which again says a lot. Uh, and Jim's obviously said how difficult it is. Van Dyke's first game is lost uh, at Anfield. Uh, well, well, obviously what they, they lost in lockdown, but he was injured. I don't know if you know. Um, so yeah, mass- massive, massive win for Leeds there. Um, Shout out as well to Elan Meslier, who, who I know has had a lot of stick over the over the years in terms of the amount of goals that he's Especially on this podcast. I thought, yeah, <laughs> I, I thought he was brilliant. It was the most saved in a Premier League game this season with nine. Uh, I thought, and some of them, you know, they were really good. He was quick out to Nunes twice, uh, one save, and one he got his foot to it when, when Darwin tried to cut back. And a couple of other strong saves, keeping all the Firmino's header late on as well. Yeah. Uh, did really well, so he he definitely deserved to to knock me on the losing side, but to be on the winning side, I'm sure he's very happy. And as well, another shout out to the American duo Tyler Adams and Brendan Aronson, who, who again I thought were, were fucking good, were both they? really really good. Uh, Don't stop running them boys. No, they worked really hard. Neither of them lose the ball, especially Aronson. So difficult to get the ball off him with that low center of gravity, and I think he ran the most on the pitch as well out of everybody, Brendan Aronson. So yeah. they've got a good squad there, Leeds. I think the most important thing is is that between Rodrigo and uh, and Bamford, who both got a goal and an assist at this weekend, that, that might be different to some of the other teams down there, is that they've got goals and goal involvements in those two uh, that will probably see them be safe this season once they, you know, once they sort the team out. Did you enjoy uh, Marsh's celebration, Cook? I actually did, because you could just tell by his celebration. He was well happy with a point anyway. And then Somerville goes and scores that goal. And then he just starts pumping that fist. Well, apparently, uh, apparently I, I didn't see it myself, but Carragher was saying with about 15, 20 minutes left, Jesse Marsh was shouting at his players, picking the ball up, throwing it to him for throw-ins. So he kind of smelt blood. So I'm yeah. sorry. He probably felt vindicated when that goal went in. And yeah, he was, he was loving it. The, the only downside for Leeds is in, in the post-match presser, um, just before we move on to the bet of the week, um, Mes- Meslier said to uh, Somerville, uh, after he passed, he, Somerville give Messier the man of the match. He went, love you, mate. <laughs> Somerville just there. <laughs> didn't <laughs> even reply to him. <laughs> he just didn't even say it. Yeah. <laughs> and Messier's face was just like, <laughs> who's so upset? <laughs> Right, listeners, that music can only mean one thing. It is, of course, the bet of the week. So betting apps at the ready and bang this in to make some money. So going to head off straight away to Leeds. We've just spoke about them, how well they've done. They host Bournemouth. We're going to go both teams to score in this one and a three o'clock kickoff. No early kickoffs this weekend, chaps. 
Then we move over to Manchester City, who are hosting Fulham. Currently 1-8, to eight, just to win Man City, but we're going to go Man City to win to nil in that one. Then we're going to head over to Wolves versus Brighton. Going to go for a boring under 2.5 in that. And then in the half five, we've got Everton versus Leicester. I'm going to go both teams to score result, them toffees. So just to recap the bet of the week, we've got Leeds, Bournemouth, both teams to score. Man City to beat Fulham to nil. Wolves, Brighton, under 2.5. And Everton, Leicester, both teams to score result. And Stan, what can the listeners do with that information? They can shove it up the bloody little hackers. So welcome back, and we'll go straight over to the Amex, uh, where Brighton disposed of Graham Potter's Chelsea 4-1. Uh, Cook, did yes. they deserve it? <laughs> <laughs> they, did. They, they did. They put a Cruciatus curse on Chelsea. Oh, fuck. Crucio. No, it was, it, was, it was meant to be, wasn't it, really? I remember saying, deserve, he's not going to win yet, and Graham Potter's Chelsea arrive at the Amex. So. Message me on Snapchat, I was like, it loves a story for you. Yeah, it, and does, I was it like, does love a story. I was like, yeah, you're right, lad. And, and they did, they did deserve it, I'll give you that. Um, 100%, 100%, and um, they were, they were two, two minutes in, they'd had two cleared off the line. Tiago Silva cleared two off the line in the first two minutes. No, it's and, I, and I feel sorry for Tiago because he's playing a lot of football. Yeah. Playing a lot of football lately with obviously the injuries we've got at the back. So he's played, I think he's played the last four on the spin, which ain't great, but we move. But um, yeah, clear two off the line, didn't start well. Trossard scored. Then we scored an own goal about 10 minutes after that, which which wasn't great. We were still creating chances, which was mad. I even said to you at one point, I wouldn't be surprised if this finished for all because we, we believe it or not, when we was 2 0 down, we should have been winning that game. And then Brighton just completely. I thought I thought the fans were quite weird in this game. I get that Potter's left you, but they were they were booing Graham Potter and they were booing Cucurella quite a lot. And I thought, no, as the as the great man The Rock says, Jim, know your role and shut your mouth because you're fucking Brighton. <laughs> oh, it's not like he's he's left for fucking Crystal Palace for God's sake. He's he's left for fucking bigger and better. And um, yeah, I thought they were really rubbish um, in that game, um, showing him respect. But they were fully deserved of the win. Still kicking on as a good little side. Chelsea, just not good enough in this one. I think Brighton surprised them. There's, well, a, a number of things. They had that dog in them, 100% Brighton this weekend. Yeah, they flew out the blocks, didn't they? They, mean, did. they did. From, from a Chelsea perspective, what, what did you think about uh, the team that Potter played in terms of, I know you mentioned the wing back, the, yeah. the, uh, the wing backs, didn't you? Yeah, I said to you, you, you said, I remember you saying, like, who's playing where here? Eh? And I was like, well, Sterling and Pulisic are the wing backs. And you was like, what? Why? Yeah, it's mad. And I was like, well, I, I can see that. The first time Potter did it, he did it in the Champions League against somebody, Sterling at wing back, and we ended up, I think we drew that game, but he's done it a number of times. Like, he did it at Aston Villa, he did it loads of times, but this is the first time it's really blew up in his face but it's not the first time in the first half it's looked like the system was wrong because he swapped it a couple of times at half time but as soon as does, didn't yeah time. as soon as we go to a back four we look a well better side in my opinion in my opinion anyway and you're asking Cucurella to play a left centre back role you've got Silver who's 38 playing so many games in a row Chalibur who's meant to be fourth or fifth choices starting every week and I don't want to sound like a like I'm moaning about injuries but our best midfielder, Kante, is not played at all. Uh, Fafana, our record signings, barely played. Koulibaly's been injured. Our best defender, James, is injured. And I, like I said, we're going to have to play players who aren't particularly first or second choice or even third choice. And we're going to have to adapt because that's the only way we move forward. But I think you've got to move forward with the back four going forward now because the three at the back, similar to Liverpool, it almost seems like we've been found out a little bit systemically and I think play the system that you've got for your players, Jim. I don't know what you think about Chelsea. Obviously, on the on the paper side of it, it's four one, and like I said, they deserve to win four one hundred percent. Yeah, like I, I think at the minute, like like you said, with the injuries and the amount of games that Paul's played, he's kind of getting to grips with it. He's not only getting to grips with what he thinks his best team are, but he's also dealing with all the injuries on top of that. So it's pretty tough. I think for the for that game against Brighton. Um, I think the one thing you can't do against Brighton is just give them goals because they're going to create chances because they're a really good side. I, I only see match today on this one, but the two that they have curved line was just you just passing to them. I think Thiago Silva just passed to him one of them and they keep passing on the other one. And I know he saved your skin, but it's like they're going to make their own chances. And then to score two own goals as well, that's the one thing Brighton sometimes can't do enough is put the ball in the back of the net. And if you're doing that for him, then <laughs> I mean, they're, they're just going to be buzzing with that. So. You're right. I think Brian have had something like before he scored against City. I think they had fifty shots on target of our goal. 
Um, and then they they've come like like a like buses on this on on this game against Potter, which I mean the fans like you said might have been dis- a bit disrespectful to him, but they'd been very pleased by. I imagine a few of the better ones especially. Um, but yeah, I think Chelsea will be fine. I think Chelsea are another team. Like I said, about Liverpool that will look for that World Cup break, and it'll probably be a big advantage to them with all the players they've got injured, especially yeah. players like Reese James, who's been obviously brilliant every time you kind of watch him this season. Um, I've I found out a bit of information about Brighton actually, boys. Being being down south this weekend, mm. that um, some, well, you know, some of them. I, I've been speaking to someone that um was speaking to someone about like, a Brighton coach. Like, so the old Brighton, so Potter's old staff, some of them that stayed at Brighton, and basically, like, they all hate him. Like, all the people that haven't gone with Potter, um, it's like a really weird atmosphere apparently, and apparently the players aren't too out of it as well. Um. I don't know if you you might notice it now if we watch Brighton that Deserbi and all these coaches that he's brought from uh was it Sassuolo where he came from yeah um so all these all these Italian coaches are on the dugout of him and then he's just shoved all the old Brighton coaches that have been there with Potter and there with um I think it was Chris Hewton as well they're just all like in like the tunnel and stuff and just like been chucked out of the seats apparently like the the players aren't so happy with it as well um. So, although on the outside, I was looking at Brighton thinking, Deserby's doing well. He's not got a win, but they're playing some good stuff. Yeah. I don't know. Might not all be rosy for them. So, yeah. That's a weird one, that, lad. I didn't even know. Keep your eyes out on that. And obviously, looking to Deserby, he's been at a lot of clubs. And is there a reason for that? Well, a bit of inside info there. You'll have to keep your eye on that Brighton tunnel. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean... <laughs> I, I agree. I think they're another team like Liverpool that, and, and Villa as well, although we're not going to speak about them, that just need the World Spoke Cup. Talk enough about them. Yeah, we are. <laughs> uh, I think uh, Chelsea have got, I know they've got a lot of players out, but even with the players they've got out, they've still got a lot of players. It's a large squad. Um, and he just needs time to figure out his best formation and his, his, his best you know personnel that he needs to go in there. And I think the best thing for him is taking that four or five weeks off and, and, you know, getting on the training ground with whoever's still there or getting his head together with his coaches and, and kind of, you know, getting a plan in for that second second part of the season and, and, you know, anything they want to do in January, get that kind of planned in, booked in and, you know, get, get the feelers out there for players and get, you know, whoever you want out the door that might be causing problems out the door as well. So uh, it, let's not, you know, the, the thing is with Potter is because, it, because it's November, well, pretty much November now, it kind of feels that he's been there since... The start of the season, but he's he's not. He's still only been there for five weeks. Yeah, so just over a month. So it's a very short period of time, and 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 in that case, you know, with, with that kind of thing happening and the quick change of manager and, and the injuries that we've got, results like this are going to happen. You're going to go to places and get beat, you know, comfortably by other Prem teams. And Brighton at three o'clock is a game that a lot of big teams seem to struggle with. And all Liverpool was three three the other week at Anfield United. Lost the opening game of the season, so that you know they're not a pushover. They're a, they're a difficult team, but like I said to Cook, Graham Potter going back to the Amex and and deserve his bright and not winning. It was just you know a recipe for the Amex to be pumped up and and to take the three points, and that they did. Lou, do you, do you do you expect a bit more business in the January, um, and maybe a kind of a different approach to how Chelsea go about their business in comparison to what happened in the summer, which kind of seemed. To me, anyway, a bit all over the place, a bit jumping from player to player, not exactly like identifying a, a type of player or position, for example. I know they needed a lot of defenders and they kind of did that. And he brought a Bemiang in very late on because he don't know if they didn't land the striker they wanted or they couldn't find anyone. We've put there now. That's kind of a manager who he knows the kind of player he wants. And to get the best out of Potter, you're going to have to trust him and give him a few years. Do you expect a bit of a change of like philosophy this summer? Uh, well, even in January, actually, as soon as January. Yeah, hundred percent. We've um, I don't know if you've seen, but uh, we've recently changed our whole like board really. So like, Todd's come in and just completely started again Jack's with it. Gone and yeah, Czech, Marina, Czech and Marina are both gone. Anyone affiliated with Roman's basically gone, and he's he's built it up uh, from the ground up. We don't have a sporting director yet. I know we're still looking at that, but we've we've got in Joe Shields, who was at Man City. He brought in Phil Foden and Jaden Sancho through City's Academy. Uh, he recently, last summer, moved to Southampton and then Todd straight away has just plucked him from Southampton and we've got him. We've got um, the youth director from Monaco and we've got the guy that oversaw the Red Bull multi-club thing. We've got him as well So because that's the route that Todd wants to go down. So I think 
yeah, you will slowly but surely see a different business model from Chelsea. More of the, I would say, less money spread out and more big prices for one or two players. And I think that something that I keep seeing, and I know Fabrizio Romano's uh, keeping tabs on it as well, is Chelsea are trying to fast-track Christoph and Kunku into January. So it makes perfect sense. Like you said about Aubameyang then, deadline day signing, we need someone to put the ball in the back of the net, especially if he's, one, either not fit, or two, we need to rotate. Havertz can do a job, but it is just a job. We need a number nine, and if if it's going to cost eight to ten million to fast track a transfer that we're not paying a buyout clause for anyway, just do it. Just do it because he's a good player and he's an absolute bagsman. So you can do it. It's real. It's realistically possible, and I think you'll see obviously a completely different Chelsea pre and post World Cup because the ones that are staying at the club have that time on the training ground, and the ones that are at the World Cup, it's almost like an audition to say, "Why should you play?" Okay, welcome back. We're going to have a little game of higher or lower. I know it's gone down a treat recently. Lower. Um, oh, fuck. Cut wins. Okay, so there's two There's two stats. The first one is going to be clean sheets, Premier League clean sheets. And the second one, we're going to go back to goals. So, oh, obviously, wow. there's a list A, list B in both. Cook, list A or list B? Which one would you want first? A. You want list B. So, your list B for the clean sheets, Jim. So you are going first, and then you know that'll alternate in the other one as well. Uh, so Cook will go first in in goals. So obviously, I'll give you one player, tell you the stat, and then the next player you need to tell me whether he's got higher or lower, so more clean sheets or less clean sheets. So Jim, host. just just letting people know. So Jim, Robert Green, fifty three Premier League clean sheets, but as Liverpool's Alison Becker. Got more or less, higher or lower for Allison. Fifty-three. As as Cook would as Cook would say, it's a Mister Tuffy to start. Yeah. <laughs> uh, do we'll do a bit of maths on this Allison stuff scenario. He need he oh, need like he oh, need fourteen a season. That's quite a lot, though, isn't it? Fourteen a season, but then in the end they didn't. Oh, fuck. Thirty-eight games, told you. <laughs> And they've got some big points. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna because the defense was class. I'm gonna, oh, but then again, this season you're not had fucking any. <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna say Allison has had just less. He hasn't. He's had more. He's had sixty-eight. Oh, sixty-eight. Sixty-eight clean sheets. Fuck. Very mad. But yeah, okay, we'll keep going anyway. So Allison sixty-eight. Chris Kirkland more or less than sixty-eight. Two Liverpool goals. Yeah. <laughs> Less. Yeah, 47. Scott Carson, another Liverpool goal. And a City goal. I didn't mean that, but yeah. Uh, less. Yeah, 30. Emmy Martinez, more or less than 30. Ooh, he's not played that much, has he really? Um, less? No, he's got more. He's got 35. Neville Southall, what a legend. Oh, see, was he in the? Was he playing before Prem? That's the thing. Yeah, he was. I think he went into the Prem, didn't he? Uh, I'm gonna, I'm gonna say he got less. No, he got sixty-two. Got a load. Okay, I'm miles off. <laughs> I don't know. Me, I, I was, I, I was still in my dad's balls. It's, it's, it's a weird start. I'm sure you'll be better on goals because obviously we, we, we recognise that a lot more. Sorry, goalkeepers. I don't. Cookie keepers, you list B. And it was meant to be because this goalkeeper is Kepler. Oh, God. And he's got 29 clean sheets in his time at Chelsea. On the road. But has Fraser Forster got more or less? Less. More. 42. Oh! <laughs> <laughs> 42. Ugly, good. Ugly going, Cook. Fabio Martez, more or less than 42. See, he played for United, but... Oh, less. He had 30. Four yeah. years and only got 30 get... clean sheets. He's fucking punk. Manuel Almunia, more or less than 30. God, he was shit as well. He was. Um, surely more. He had 43. Yeah. Courtois, more or less than 43. Oh, we played under Conte, more. 48. Yeah. Jordan Pickford. <laughs> Jordan Pickford, more or less than 48. Or less. Oh, 57. Fucking hell. So there we go. Tell you what. So you both didn't get any. So we're starting off on a clean sheet. Clean oh, slate again for goals. But Jim went first last time. So we're straight back to you for goals. Shit. Let's stay. Paul Ince, Jesus, Premier League legend, forty-two 
Premier League goals, but has Edin Dzeko got more or less? Oh, oh! I don't even want to look at him. I don't even want to look at Jim, him. Jim's selling cup to go higher for anybody. Oh God! Oh Jesus! Less. He's got more. Oh my he's got, God! Lad, he's, he's got fifty Premier League. He's a boxman. Oh God! We'll, we'll keep going for the fun of it. Harry Kuehl, more or less than fifty. Oh fucking hell! <laughs> Proper throwback player, leading. Yeah. More. 57. Troy Deeney. Less. 47. James Ward Browse. More. Less. 41. <sighs> Jason Roberts, Premier League legend. Less. 36. Fuck. Jim, you only need to get one to win. So we've had three lists and not one of you have got one right on the coin flip. So far. So what if what if we draw nil nil? Uh, I'll talk something else. <laughs> Over we'll go to yellow cards or something. I'll pick a player and you can guess the number. Jim, no pressure. You only need one to win. Okay. Leon Osman, 44 Premier League goals. More than I expected. How many did Diego Costa get? Four. Ah, see, the thing is, Cookie, I know exactly how many Diego Costa's got. No, but you don't. <laughs> and the number is... a. 53, I believe. So it's more. 52, it is. 52. Oh, well, though, How do you know that? that? I don't, it's a weird stat that I know. Oh. I, just, I don't know. I, I think I feel like I've seen the numbers kind of recently. <laughs> I was going to say, say top of the weekend. I was going to say, it's not common like 12 12s or 144. Diego Costa got in the league. <laughs> 52, it was. We'll keep, we'll keep going, Jim. See how many you can get. You've won anyway. My champion. Um, Anthony Martial, more or less than 52. Oh. Less, I'd be surprised if he's got more. He's got 58. Okay, now. Freddie Lundberg, more or less than 58. Less. 48. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> You're trying to down the wrong river. I don't know the answers. Clint Dempsey, more or less than 48. Oh, you don't know me, dog. <laughs> more. You don't know where I'm from. You don't know where I'm from, dog. More or less. More. 57. Woo. Wow. Paolo Di Canio, more or less than 57. More 66. Yeah, you did not. I promise you, I didn't know that Jim remembered how many goals Diego Costa scored in the Prem. You know, it was only one off. You respect that though, don't you? Oh, I do. Oh, yeah. So there we go. Jim wins 100%. Diego Costa is the missing link. There we go. That's higher or lower, baby. Welcome back, Cookie Podcast listeners. To end this week's show, we've talked a bit of doom and gloom with Chelsea and Liverpool, but a team that is on the rise and are doing very, very well indeed, I think. And I think so. Pep actually heaped some praise on him this week, so I don't know if you've seen that quote. So he's, he's, he's liking what he sees from United. I don't know why he would like that anyway. But yes, Dan, Manchester United 1-0 winners at home to West Ham this weekend. But it's not just that that's been impressive. It's probably... The results and the build-up to it, how the United are playing in general. Um, really, since that start of the season, they've had have they only lost to City, I believe, and then did have they won the rest of them? Have they maybe a Europa League draw? They've just been really impressive, haven't they? And what's gone right for United during that time? Do you think? Um, it's a good question. I think he's just kind of got the players that he brought in bedded in. Martinez has been. Brilliant since that 4 0 defeat at Brentford. He got brought off at half time, but since then he's been been brilliant. He's managed to keep Varane fit for the majority and they've they've made a good partnership. But it's Casimiro coming in that's made all the difference and, and Ericsson's embedded in, but you know, he's played here before and, and Anthony as well. You know, I did think he'd struggle a little bit with the price tag and obviously the change in the leagues, but he was the first United player to score in his first three Premier League games, which gets, you know, that monkey off your back in terms of that media pressure straight away. So he's he's been allowed to um, you know, embed his players and and you know, like I say, after a tough start, I think the last 15, 15 games we've won eleven, drawn two. Lost two, and one of them was obviously that that city pumping and uh, a Europa League game against Sociedad, uh, and two two of those draws were against Chelsea and Newcastle, which you know you can afford to draw them with with them two being you know up there in the top six as well, beating Liverpool, Arsenal, and Spurs in that time too. But um, yeah, it's it's not sorted straight away. But if you'd have said to me after that Brentford four uh, nil with with some of the games coming up that. 
we'd have a game in hand on on uh, two of the top four, and if we win it, we'll be third. I'd I'd rip your hand off. So uh, yeah, credit credit to Ten Hag, especially with with not only the on pitch stuff, but a lot of the off pitch off pitch stuff that he's had to deal with with a certain number seven. Uh, he's handled it really well, dropping Ronaldo from the the squad at Chelsea and. Uh, and making him apologise to the players and not not making it too public, but you know, apart from the fact that Ronaldo, you know, it had to be dealt with. Um, so he's he's handled everything really well, but not getting too carried away. I'm sure. Yeah. Like I said, like I said to Cut, we'll probably have our own Brighton four-one results at some point. I'm kind of expecting that the wheels to fall off. But right now, it's looking really good. Yeah, me, me and Cook, um, we obviously spoke about Ronaldo last week and kind of what's going on off the pitch there. But the the, the guy who's maybe getting a bit of stick from certain um United players turned pundits were a bit of still loving Ronaldo. Um the guy who's replaced him, Marcus Rashford scored his hundredth club goal. At the age of twenty five, that's not bad for a guy who seemingly can't finish, as what some people say. And didn't he take his goal well at the weekend, Cook? Yeah, he definitely took his goal well. That's what was great. We was on about it. We was watching um, a video before it, just rewatching some of the United stuff, and it was a very un-Rashford goal. You expect the ball in behind, you expect Rashford to square him up and then just bend it in the far bin. Yeah. Whereas this one was a, a quick bully, throw. Bully from, before, but... What made me laugh most about this goal is Casimiro screaming for the ball, and, and Dallo like just that. gives him the hand. He yeah. says, "Talk to the yeah. hand, Casimiro." He plays want. a little one into Ericsson who. But so not honestly an unreal crossing. Oh yeah, He's, ridiculous. Stan mentioned that he's settling settling into that team nice now, and rightfully so. Like Jim just said, he took his goal class a very unRashford goal taken, almost like Cavani. You could say he bullied his fullback. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's, like you say, it's not a Rashford goal in terms of getting up. It reminded me of young Ronaldo, where you just bully bully that fullback, mm. you get on top of him, and that's it. As soon as he rises, he's rubbish. The, though we said, aren't we, on the board? Who? Um, Tilo Kier. Tilo, yeah, he's, he's no good. He's I, mean, I don't know why they picked him up. But... Said it to Dunny yesterday. He was four for fifth choice centre-back at Paris and four for third choice. He, as well. he just pulled Rashford back he's on a break. He's he, rubbish, he wasn't very good. Credit but... where it's does, due, Rashford played class. Mm, does, um, does Rashford, despite maybe... He, well, no, not maybe. He's definitely not as clinical as Ronaldo. But overall, Cook, does he, does he offer more in the game? He's, he's like the likes of Neville Wright, with what he's saying. Neville, Neville's right to to a degree. I think there's there's games where you don't play Rashford and there's games where you do play Ronaldo. It's not as as it's not as black and white as that. It's really not. And I think that at this moment in time, Ten Hag's established his authority with the team. He's like saying to Ronaldo, I'm probably on the side as well. Look, mate, we're winning. And and if we're losing, I can understand where you're coming from. Like basically touching on what we said last week. If you're walking down the tunnel and we get beat by, was it Spurs? No, yeah, yeah. now we yeah. played really well. Yeah, it? and and if they get beat by Spurs, you can almost be like, well, why didn't they let him go? And you fucking you playing shit and whatever. But yeah. it's just not the case. But at the minute, he, it's he just epitomizes what Ten Hag really likes to do. From what you can see, dynamic, fast, direct plays. You can tell with Anthony, he's played Marshall when he's been fit as well. And Marshall, yeah, if you look at Marshall's minutes to goals ratio under Eric Ten Hag, it's it's very good. He's he's his number one striker. I think I think if Martial. Was fit and honestly, there's a player. If, if Martial had been fit all season, I don't think Ronaldo would have started at any of the games at all because uh, it would either have been Martial centrally or, or, like we've already seen, Rashford's gone centrally whenever you know we've had uh, Sancho and Anthony on the wings either side of him as, as well. He's think. fell off a cliff. Sancho has, yeah, he doesn't look himself. I thought but... he'd go to the World Cup at one point as well. The yeah. way he started, you know, with that goal, was it a City? No, uh, he's got a big goal, yeah, yeah, but. He's, he's 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 yeah he's not doing too well, but I suppose the positive is is that Rashford's looking like his old self in terms of you know the different types of goals he can score and Anthony like I say is coming and 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 done brilliantly and that that's probably our best choice front three or ten Hag's front three Rashford on the left for his best Anthony on the right and and Martial through the middle where okay in terms of work rate and things like that he's not the best and he's not going to bully defenders but in terms of link up play and getting involved with those wingers I think if those wingers could choose anybody to play with. It would be him, um, but no, it's. It, I also saw a stat as well, which which uh, United are on, the only team in the league this season to not drop any points from winning positions. That's uh, not which, that guy, actually, yeah. which is really important. Obviously, we're at the start. I think it's only is it seventeen, eighteen games, but yeah, like like mentally, that's 100%. that's a big thing, and that's something that he's done. He, he sorted us defensively first. We've we've won four or five games in the league this season, one nil, um, which you know is important at the beginning. I think he's. 
you saw how we were last season because he did 57 goals, which is the worst in, in United's Premier League history, and we were awful. Uh, and he's come in, identified that. He's picked up Ericsson and Casemiro and dropped them in, in, in the midfield. And like Jim said, midfields, United before, have been able to be played around and dominated. But uh, as Neville called them, the red wall in the last few games, this should be... They've been able to, uh, they've been able to control games against Newcastle, against Chelsea, uh, against Liverpool and Arsenal. You know they, they've stood up to those midfields. City, different kettle of fish, but um, they, they've done really well. Uh, and like I say, look, United will have in a few weeks. We'll we'll go away to you know Bournemouth on an R twelve and get beat one nil, and I'll be I'll be pulling the rest of my hair out of a little that I've got left. But, um, <laughs> uh, just, that's how it is. <laughs> just going from that end of the pitch through midfield to the, the the other end of the pitch which some may say is the most important um I, I see a lot of togetherness from united it's the spirit that they've got you see some clips of like martinez on the weekend where he, he goes and jumps into hayes back and goes and just slaps rashford and then he embraces a bit with Maguire and <laughs> it's not it wasn't just on the weekend they've done that a few times now and david de hayes a player who maybe we all thought especially used danny's time at united was over but Last few weeks, I mean, I think he's been pretty good, and the the, the defense seems to like him, and they've got a five there now. Um, and know Maguire's out of it. It's like for Ran Martinez, Dalo, Malassia, and De Gea. We I, I seen it from City a few years ago where Stones and Diaz were playing together, and they just look like they love defending. And I know City don't do a lot of defending, but that's just great to see from your your defense, and that's what I'm seeing from United at the minute, and that's just a massive improvement at the minute, I think. Yeah, I think Martinez has brought that because he's 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 fucking nuts to be honest. But he's he's a good crazy. He's your typical Argentinian uh, defender. Into like he'd put his head on on the end of somebody's boot if it meant he'd stop the ball going in the back of the net. Which instant favourite for all fans. That's exactly what all fans want to see. You want to see somebody who's going to do that. And he's brought that. He's elevated the rest of the defence. I think Luke Shaw has been brilliant the past few games. Dallow yesterday won pretty much every back post header against say, against I, I the likes of him, yeah. yeah the likes of Antonio as well that you put clinic on yesterday him Ballo, out, oh, he was brilliant yeah, said it, in back post defending he's literally it was textbook all aspiring young defenders yeah watching. just watch that but yeah, um, credit where it's due and, and, and I've slagged him off as well but to be fair this season he's, 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 he's started every single game for United uh, he's the only position really in the team that's got no no uh, rotation option at all. Wambasaka uh, is completely out. No, of the oh, that's what I was going to say. In Ten Hag's eyes, there's no rotation. So is he fit? Wambasaka, well? yeah, he's, he's, yeah, he's been in training, but he, he just doesn't fancy him, which is understandable. But De Gea, I mean, there's three things De Gea was weakest at, and probably three things that all modern keepers need, and that is being able to control your area. Which he hasn't really done, but in terms of coming out, I mean, there was one point yesterday he got clipped in behind the defense. Ben Rama was in and he flew oh, out yeah. and cleared it, and that that is literally all you need him to do. I'm not saying or oh, come out, Cruyff turn the guy, <laughs> take the guy on, and pick somebody out 50 yards away. Just deal with it. If your defense is running back towards goal, I used to play fucking Jim used to play right back, I used to play centre back. If you're running towards your own goal and the strikers go in, the best thing you can see is your keeper's already out and you just whacked it out for a throw-in, you can reset. And sometimes that is all you need. And on the ball, he's looked a lot better. But he looks like a guy playing for a new contract. And, I mean, those, those two saved yesterday. It was it was vintage De Gea. Uh, that, that one on Zoom where he hooked it back yeah. from pretty much it looked like it was going in. And the one at Rice right at the end as well uh, was was really good. So, again, like I say, didn't not losing from, from winning positions. And, and that's, you know, mentally very good. And like you say, they're all fighting for each other. And, and that's what you need. But... Uh, we can't get too far ahead of ourselves. Obviously, we've we've been four 0 down at half time twice this season, so I'm sure there'll be a few more games where it just when it goes wrong, it really goes wrong with it being so new. But on the flip side, we'll probably have our Liverpool, Spurs, and, and Arsenal performances where we put those big teams to the sword. So yeah, really happy with how it's going. Yeah, and and just and just when you went through them players, then that are playing in nice defense. These are players that as as far back as not even that few love. Like, Many weeks ago, but when you looked at them on paper against Brighton and against Brentford, you was thinking, like these are just done. Like Shaw's not going up to it. Like Martinez just it's a step too far from in the Premier League of his height. Baran's past it. Maguire's past it. Dallo's not good enough. De Gea's past it. And now they're all coming together. And on paper, yeah, they're not kind of some of them not what they used to be, and some of them aren't United level on paper. But the impressive thing is, I think Ten Hag's brought in the right characters this year, and. They're all kind of fighting together, and 
I mean, when they play together, they just they've just been really good recently. Uh, um, and yeah, I think that's something most impressive about them because the actual the names of the players they aren't the standards of like the Chelsea defense. I don't think or like the City defense or the Liverpool defense, but there is as much as a unit as any of them. Yeah, I think since that Brentford game, I think only City and Newcastle have, have got more clean sheets. So that kind of shows that Ten Hag's clocked that. And, and he started there, and I suppose that's the best thing to do. You build your defence up and then you add in your luxury players afterwards to get the goals. Because at the moment, like I say, you're looking... I mean, that Newcastle game, 0-0 at home, and the Chelsea 1-1, I mean, you only need two goals there and you're level points with City or something daft. And, and so you're two goals away from being right up there. And, and, and it's goals that we're short of at the moment, I think, with Casemiro Erickson in front of that settled defence with once Varane uh, comes back in, uh, it's it's up front. You're looking uh, if we can get Rashford back on the wing, stop having to play him centrally because we don't have a striker or a fit striker. Then uh, if we can get that striker in and, and add a couple of other players, and uh, we're really on the right track. So uh, yeah, it's good to have a manager as well that is in the peak of his career. He's not scarred in terms of you know there's no Mourinho leaving Chelsea, Van Hal's passed it, David Moyes has step up, Solskjaer, yeah. how much can he do? How much respect? And, and obviously Rangnick, it all went wrong. Van Gaal. Even yeah, but even with Pochettino, we've seen him he's, he's he lost the final at Spurs, he went to PSG, is he done good? We've lost not dressing room. Ten, yeah, Ten Hag's not scarred. All we know from Ten Hag is that he's gone to Ajax, brought Delict. Uh, De Jong through even Donny van der Beek who you know hasn't played a lot of United oh, a lot of but, but and, and he's won trophies and he's leaving on a high from Ajax coming to United and, and I think finally touch wood United have got the right manager in at the right time so let's see how we go because we've been here quite a lot over the past 10 years where I think we're on the up so uh, fingers crossed Right, listeners, unfortunately, it is that time of the episode, the time where we have to love you and leave you, but it's also the time where I can tell you where to find us when we're not making pods. So if you want to find every podcast that we've ever done ever, just go on to Apple Podcasts or Spotify, just search in. That's the way the cookie crumbles. you find us there. If you want to follow us on Twitter and Instagram, you can do so by using the handle at cookiepodcast1. That's at cookiepodcast, followed by the number one. We are on TikTok as well. Go and follow our TikTok. It's actually popping off at the minute, so go and check that out using the handle The Cookie Podcast. That's T-H-E, Cookie Podcast. It's been episode 156, and that's the way the cookie crumbles. <laughs>